0: I'll just find another way. Oh God, you lost everything. Oh my God, let's get the pity party around you. And I'm like, I don't want that. That's not the party I wanna have. There was a reason for this and I'm gonna use it as an opportunity to follow my dreams, follow my food dreams at the age of 54 years old, four years ago. This wasn't 15 years ago. We lost everything in 2017, 2018. And to look at my wife in the eye and just tell her it's gonna be fine, but it doesn't look great right now.
1: Welcome to the Seven Hats Podcast. My name is Yuval Selik, and I've been on the entrepreneurial roller coaster for over 20 years. I've experienced it all throughout my journey, the grind, burnout, failure, and ultimately, success. The turning point for me was realizing that building a successful company is meaningless if you neglect the other significant areas of your life. So today, I'm inviting you to join me on an adventure through those seven areas, what I call the Seven Hats. Every week, my guests and I will drop valuable insights and pearls of wisdom, helping, motivating, and inspiring you to get your seven hats in order and deliver real impact with meaning. So let's get going. Welcome, seven hatters. In this episode, we speak with Stephen Caldwell and dive deep into hats one, three, four, and seven, the soul, servant, entrepreneur, and seeker as we take a culinary entrepreneurial journey where Swiss meets West and find out what a Rosti really is. Steven is one of the most talented and charismatic entrepreneurs that I know. And let me tell you, this guy experienced it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. With a lifelong passion for food, Steven faced his demons when he had to start from scratch at 54 after losing it all and risking it all again to achieve his current success. As the founder of Rusty Stuffed Spuds, Stephen beat all the odds and launched a massively successful culinary treat, changing the game, modernizing a classic, and putting smiles on people's faces. So, if you're craving a hero story stuffed with golden nuggets or cheese, let's keep it crispy and welcome Stephen to The 7 Hats. Stephen, welcome to The 7 Hats.
0: Hey, Yuval, how are you? Thank you for having me.
1: I am so excited. You know, I'm a recovering CPG founder (laughs) who experienced a Black Swan event back when I first launched my skincare line. And that was in 2008. Um, I think we all remember those fun times. Yes. And we met May of 2020, Mm -hmm. another Black Swan event that turned the emerging CPG world upside down. Now, I have to say, I was so impressed with what you did and how you handled yourself as a brand marketer, kept in touch and formed a bond that only two crazy CPG <laughs> founders can <laughs> form during difficult times. Exactly. You know, we, we can safely say that CPG retail is tough, yeah. which is why so few actually survive, right? But you, my friend, are thriving, and I can't wait to get into it. Before we get to those incredible stories of yours... And that wonderful, soothing radio voice of yours, (laughs) which I love. I know that the Seven Hatters would love to learn more about who Stephen is and how your beginnings shaped your destiny. So Stephen, where were you born and how was your childhood like?
0: Uh, I was actually born in Oregon, but immediately moved to the state of Washington where my dad had a small finance company. So all five of my siblings. I was right in the middle. So I have two uh, older siblings, two sisters, then I have a sister and a brother below. So I was the first boy. So I was always Steve Jr. Uh, my father was Stephen, and uh, we all went to Catholic school. So we moved to Tacoma, Washington. I went to Catholic school there, Holy Cross. And then he op- had an opportunity to open a finance company, small one in Yakima, Washington, where I you know, finished my years of growing up high school and so on and so forth. So uh, in Yakima is really where it, uh, it kind of turned me into, uh, you know, what I know now as an entrepreneur. Uh, he had the opportunity to take his finance skills and partner with a couple of other gentlemen uh, in a car dealership. So uh, they opened a Dodge Mazda Volvo franchise or took one over. And at the age of nine, I was hired uh, by my father because I told him, I want to work. I want to work at your car dealership." So he would have me uh, he would pick me up and we would take a 40minute drive down to Toppenish, Washington on the corner of 97 and 22 highways on five acres of a gravel car lot. and him and his two partners would kick me out of the car with a two rings of keys and I would go put out keys to over 500 cars. That would give them time to go to the restaurant behind them and go have breakfast. Uh, and by the time they got back, I had uh, put out all the keys, uh, put them above the visor, and got them ready for for the the salesman to show up. And I really enjoyed that because I would wash the cars, I would gas up the cars. That's where I learned how to drive. Uh, and so you know, the summer where I actually worked a lot more than weekends while I was going to school, I only wrecked two cars the whole summer, and it wasn't too bad. So I figured Not that bad. was a win, <laughs> and that really started me thinking on the more I work. I get a paycheck. And so every other Friday, I would do just like the salesman would do, like the service and parts guys would do. They would go up to the window at HR, they would get a check. Well, I would get a check. Uh, And then I would go and cash it. And then I would go, you know, get lunch or whatever. But at that point, I kind of figured out I got the bug that, you know, I really love to work. And if you, you know, the harder you work, the, you know, you get compensated for that. Plus, I got to drive cars and I got to pitch quarters with the salesman and I got to, you know, race, you know, race the old trade ins, the old, you know, muscle cars uh, in the back of the lot that, you know, dad didn't know about. And we would do timed and, and then, you know, I would have to, you know, if I didn't win, I would have to pay, you know, pay up whatever we bet. So those were those were my years that started um, what I really loved about it. And as I said before, I was in I was in Catholic school. So at that time, all five of his kids were at St. Paul's Cathedral in Yakima. And a buddy of mine in the seventh grade came up to me one day and said, hey, I, you know, I want to start a band. And I said, well, I work for my dad on the weekends, but um, you know, what are you thinking? He goes, well, do you play? And I said, no, but that sounds like fun. And so he said, well, do you think you can get, get, a, get a guitar and learn how to play? I said, yeah, I'll do that. Let's start a band. So I asked my dad for a guitar for Christmas, and that was when I was 11. So I got a guitar for Christmas, and he didn't realize that an electric guitar needed an amp. So I didn't say anything because we didn't have a lot of money. I didn't say anything to him, but I took him aside and I said, I can't hear anything. I need an amp. So he picks me up after school. He leaves the car dealer, picks me up. We go down to a Talcott music store. He bought this amp for like 50 bucks. And he's like, God, don't tell your, don't tell your mom, don't tell your siblings, but I know you need an amp. Uh, I started teaching myself uh, on 8-Tracks, so you couldn't rewind 8-Tracks, right? You could only fast-forward them.
1: Can you tell uh, the seven hatters who have no clue what an 8-Track is? (laughs) (laughs) An
0: 8-Track is is almost double the size of this iPhone, and it's super thick, and it looks like a, uh, a cassette player but or it actually looks like a dvd uh, or not a dvd but a vhs right a vhs player and you would pu- push it in lock it in and push play but there was only fast forward no reverse so it would took me 15 or 20 minutes to fast forward to figure out the part of the song that i was in that i was learning anyway i learned i self taught myself on how to play guitar and we started this band i started really enjoying myself so about 6 months later in the summertime i was uh, heading into 8th grade we had learned 40 or 50 songs I decided to actually take the band over and we called it Apogee. I asked my dad, I said, I want to name this band the highest point, the best. What would that be? Like the apex and he goes, well, let's go to the dictionary. So we looked it up and Apogee (laughs) became the name. Fast forward, I start booking gigs and we were booked when I was in eighth grade, we were booked nine weeks in a row at one point playing Friday and Saturday nights. I would make $450 for a three hour gig. My, uh, we had, uh, uh, two sisters, Carmen and Petra. One was a lead singer. One was a piano player. But every single time we, you know, I would like get a bass player, they would bring all their equipment, but if they didn't work out, they would take all their equipment with them. And then I was out of equipment that I needed. So my dad looked at me and he said, if you're going to, if you're going to run this like a business, I think what we need to do is you buy the sound system, you buy the amps. So whoever shows up with their guitar or their bass or their drumsticks, you already have it. And I said, okay, so we went to the Catholic Credit Union, and he co-signed for me. I was 13 at the time, and, uh, and I got a $700 loan. So I bought a, a PV sound system, I bought the monitors, I bought the mic stands and everything else. So now, I didn't have to worry about any of that. So I was booking these gigs, and we'd, we'd pass the hat if anybody wanted to go on longer than an hour, you know, three hours, for an extra 100 bucks an hour. I really, you know, that was the next bug I got. Like, the harder I worked, I worked for my dad during the day, I played gigs at night. And then there was another band in Yakima that the the two sisters that worked for me or played in my group, her two older brothers played in another group. And so they came to me one time and they said, and I was 14 at the time, almost 15, we'd be be booking these gigs and everything. And they said, hey, listen, we're going on the road. We're going to open up for a national country band. And we just got signed in agreement with a agency in Seattle. Uh, I said, well, what does that take? Well, they were all older than me. They'd already graduated high school. The long and the short of it was, I had an opportunity to go on the road for three months uh, at a time that literally turned into nine months out of the next two years. But there was a problem with that. I wasn't finished with high school. And I was the only one of five siblings that never went to college. I graduated the a 162 uh, GPA. And I just, you know, I was more into the entrepreneur bug. I did the morning announcements in high school. I would, in the middle of that, I would go back to that room during lunch and I would buy and sell equipment. I'd put it on Yakima Herald Republic. And I would do deals all the time at at Eisenhower High School. And so I was making good money doing that and selling odd things. So finally, with this opportunity to get picked up by this agency in Seattle, my dad said, well, write a business plan and let me see what that looks like. So I write this business plan, present it to my mom and dad. And he reads through it and he says, man, this is really well done. The only thing that's missing is how are you going to get a diploma? And I said, oh, I'm not going to get a diploma. I'm leaving, dad. I'm going on the road. I'm going to be a rock star. And he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Go back to the drawing board and figure it out. So what I figured out was I could take seven classes during the day as a junior in high school, just starting as a junior. I would take six classes at night at the upstairs school. And again, these are schools where people who didn't like going to the day, you know, day of high school or you know, there may, may have been you know, pregnant teens or what have you, they would go to here and t- try to get their GED. So they asked me when I first got there, What's, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you in for? And I said, well, I'm graduating high school early and I'm going on the road. And they are said, yeah, right. So I would do seven during the day, six classes a night. And then I would leave the upstairs school and I would drive half a mile to the club that we were the house band at. It was now it's a Marriott in, in Yakima. And I'd play six nights a week from 930 until 230 in the morning. I would, I would have to leave during the breaks because uh, I wasn't 21. I was only 16 almost 17. So I did it. I got my diploma in November of my junior year and I went on the road and my dad sent it to me, you know, my graduating class, I was on the road somewhere in Canada is when he sent it to me. So what I did then was I was making around $700 every Friday after taxes on the road. And we had a big tour bus, and we did an EP. Uh, we recorded it in Seattle. And I started socking that money away, and I started buying rental homes when I was 17. So I wasn't old enough to sign a contract, but because my dad was Steve Sr., he signed for me. So my first three rentals, who went to my first ex-wife, uh, which is fine. <laughs> you live and you learn. Um, and I, uh, So I left the road. One day, we were in Great Falls, Montana. It was 3.30 in the morning. We were heading back to Yakima. All broke down 60 degrees below zero with a chill factor. I'm underneath the bus with a torch trying to get the diesel lines unthawed, which was crazy thinking about it today. And when we finally got the bus started, I pop out from underneath, and George, the band leader, said I had an epiphany. I said, "Well, what would that be?" As I'm freezing my tail off with the rest of the band members, he said, "We're going to get back to Yakima. We're going to play the last three months at Johnny's, the Marriott today, uh, and then we're going to we're going to uh, we're going to get a commune in Oregon, and we're going to play for the Lord." And I was born and raised Catholic, and I'm a believer. Okay, but I looked at him and I said, "Hey, George, what does that pay?" And he said, "Nothing." That's the beautiful part about it. I said. I looked at a payphone across the highway and I said, I'll be right back. I called my dad and I said, this is what George just said. And he goes, uh, get to the closest airport. Let's, uh, I can fly you home. I said, dad, it's not like that. I'll, I'll drive the bus home. I was the bus driver that, you know, we drew straws. So I get home, played the last couple of months and I left on good terms and went to work for my dad. And I said, what am I going to do? And so he said, well, now that you're 18, you can sell cars at my car dealership. And I said, well, what is that? Uh, I, I've never done that before. And he goes, well, you've sold everything. You've sold your band. you sold every, you know." And I said, okay. So I said, what do you do? He had 42 salespeople. He says, well, you talk to everybody. I said, okay. And he says, you go around this magical mile, right? You take them on a demo. Then you come around and always pick a sign that says something that reminds you to ask them to buy. Well, there was a sign that always said, "Fine food. And he always said, Stevie, when you get to that sign, it's always a fine time to ask these people to buy. So that's when I would ask everybody to buy. When I saw the fine food sign, I asked him to buy. Well, it's a numbers game, right? My first month, I sold forty cars, made just under thirty thousand. My second month, I sold forty-four cars and made just under that as well. So pushing sixty thousand in two months, and every single sales guy is pissed off at me because, like, I'm on their turf, right? They would rather show up, look good, and go smoke cigarettes, and you know, on the back deal. And so, you know, I said, "Dad, everybody's pissed off at me," and he goes, "That's good." It'll teach him something, right? So uh, he calls me up to the tower one day after I my second month, and he calls the finance manager up to the tower. And he says, Kevin, you're fired. And I went, God, that was awkward. And I said, Dad, wh- what's going on? And he says, Junior, to the finance department. So he goes, meet me in there. So I go in there, shut the door. He comes in, and I go, Dad, what are you doing? And he goes, you're my new F&I, F&I guy. And I said, what, wh- what do you mean? I've never, I've never done this before. And he says, you never sold cars before either, did you? So I become his F&I guy. He te- teaches me everything I know. A uh, year later, I'm, I hold uh, the top penetration, which is the, the, you know, the most percentage of warranties, L-A-N-H, and every, p- sealant and everything else on cars uh, across this particular one warranty company that most people in the country sold. Uh, and I was number one in the nation. I was 20 at the time. So I win this big cruise and everything else. So then I come up with the idea that well, how can I be that good when there's 1,000, 10,000 other F&I guys? There must be something. So dad said, well, you should do a video. So I did this video in this nice home that was for sale. It was all staged. And I called it, Steve Caldwell's was the plain truth of F&I. And I got my CBS affiliate who sh- shot my commercials every week to produce it. So they produced a 33-minute video. And we sold 150 or 200 of these at 100 bucks a apiece uh, through a magazine because there was no internet. That's that. My dad retires. I moved to Seattle. Um, I became I became a uh, uh, national sales manager for Ford Motor Company as a uh, in charge of uh, one particular division of theirs, where I was in charge of sixty eight stores nationally uh, until about uh, 2000, 1999. I was down in uh, San Diego at uh, the Vice President's house for this big getting another award. You know, we, uh, he brought in Caesar's palace. He did all this stuff. It was on the water. It was just beautiful. So I fly home. That's when the planes are supposed to fall out of the air, the millenn- you know, the millennium and they didn't, I arrive home and Monday morning, I emailed Rob and I said, Hey, what a great party you had. Thank you so much. By the way, I just saw something on the today show that said the division I was in charge of just filed for bankruptcy. Do I still have a job? And he says, I'll call you back. The next day I had a severance package. So I go to my dad's place. And, uh, I said, uh, well, I guess I'm out of, out of work. He had this curbing done around his lawn that looked like brick. And I said, what the heck is this? I was just here a week ago. Uh, and he said, I said, how many, how long does it take to put in these bricks? He goes, "It's not bricks. It's this little machine that, you know, extrudes this border. Right. And I said, wow, what did you pay for it? And he said, well, the, the landscape company behind my house just got this to add to their service, their landscape services. So they charged me. That's 1,100 feet. I said, I know. I used to mow it all the time. You had a hell of a big yard. And he said, well, uh, they charged me uh, two bucks a foot. I said, how many feet? 1,100 feet. I said, that's 2,200 bucks. How long did it take to put it in? And he said, well, it took them two days, one day to prep and one day to install it. I said, did they put a sign in your yard? I said, there's a sign in your yard. He goes, yeah, it was like a circus. Everybody stopped to wonder, see what they were doing. They were signing business all day long. And I said, so that night uh, we go to pizza and I jotted on a napkin and I jotted curb appeal. And he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to take my severance package and start a concrete company with this machine." And he said, well, you've never done it before. I said, well, I've never sold cars or did up an eye either, but it looks like, you know, I, I'm done with the auto industry and I want to just deal with happy people. So at at the time I moved to Portland, met Lori, uh, by the way, we'll be married 20 years on the 21st next week. Uh, I meet her. So now we're together. And I, you know, what do you do? I said, well, I'm doing this and starting this little company. So we, a friend of ours had a booth here at the Expo Center in Portland, Lawn and Garden Show. And he gave me this little 10 by 10 out of this huge monstrous booth he had. So I had shirts made up, I had khakis and, uh, you know, doing all this other stuff and really showed the part, right? Perception being reality, it looked like I'd been doing this. I pulled a bunch of before and after pictures on, on the websites of other competitors, and I called it Curb Appeal. And we booked $40,000, $45,000 worth of business in three days, and I had still yet to touch concrete in my life. I just needed to know if I could do it. So uh, we're doing a show in Vegas one day, and it was for the world of concrete. Lorraine, I did that every year. And this guy comes up and he says, well, I've got a machine that does this. I want to partner with you. So anyway, throw caution to the wind. I had a, I had my attorney draft an agreement while I was there. Um, and again, these are lessons, right? These are lessons you learn, uh, about doing some, your own due diligence and so on and so forth. But it turns out I partner with them, open up a production facility in California. I'm running it from here. It's all good. You know, it sounds good on paper. Uh, we start to, de- you know, delivering these $125,000 machines that do curve and gutter. We start delivering them to different parts of the country and Canada. Long story short is, uh, you know, a bunch of these are failing in the field, and people are screaming and, you know, wanting to sue and everything else, so... The whole time I've been doing this, I've been this absolute foodie nut. I've been in the kitchen since I was five years old. My number one show was The Galloping Gourmet and Julia Childs, my mentor. I always loved Graham Kerr and The Galloping Gourmet. Um, His flamboyancy on stage, where he would take a 30-minute show and make a three-course meal and then invite some lovely lady out of the audience, drink his wine, and, and cap the show off with, that was delicious, and we'll see you on the next show, right? And that's always kind of how Lori and I, you know, we that's how we are in the kitchen, right? Uh, and always, before COVID, always having big dinner parties and doing the same thing. So uh, while we're doing all of, you know, I'm doing some more international traveling with this partner of mine. We're doing some, you know, some contracts, road contracts in Doha, Qatar, and Dubai, and in uh, uh, Bangalore, India, and Nanjing, China, and rostov and Don, Russia you know, I'm all over the map and I'm eating the craziest things while I'm on the road, uh, you know, delivering these machines. I'm eating the craziest things. I'm, I'm uh, documenting them on my Blackberry to make sure that I knew, you know, the flavor profiles, I was getting it. And then I would recreate it for friends and family. When I get back to the States, that was always kind of the friends were always asking, where's he at now? When are we going to have dinner? What's he going to make for us next time? So that was always a fun deal. Anyway, anyway, um, didn't work out so well. Uh, I didn't realize that my partner had uh, you know he had a he had a bottle problem. Uh, sometimes I couldn't get a hold of him. I had to drive down to California one time to find him at a at a casino. saw some part uh, some machines that they had been parted out that were supposed to be fixed and weren't fixed in the midst of all of this. I decide that I'm going to, go, to uh, uh, go through the U.S. Commercial Services, which is part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which helps small businesses open up doors in other countries. So I, I had so much uh, response from Brazil, of all places, wanting our machines. But when we ran the NAICS codes, in order for me to ship one down there, it was going to be double what it would cost them, like the tariffs were 100%. So I went to the USDA here in Portland and they got in touch with the manufacturer of a like machine down there. Fast forward, we did a joint venture and they started making our machines in Brazil and it cost me less to import them here because there, there were no tariffs to import and mm-hmm. literally zero tax to do that. So we started that and got, you know, got out from underneath this other gentleman. Um, and when I was down there, you know, for business, uh, outside of Sao Paulo, they had a catered dinner in my honor because I was heading to another show in Johannesburg. I thought it was my partner's, JV partner's wife that was going to make this dinner. She said at the last minute, she heard this radio advertisement. It was a company called Senor and Signora Batata, Mr. and Mrs. Potato. She said at the last minute, I don't know what I did, but I decided I'm going to call them. They were available. They came and start shredding potatoes in a pan, filling them with cheeses and meats, covering it, frying on both sides. When I tasted that you ball it was one of these aha moments where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my partner in the States. Shit's blowing up. There's a bunch of machines that are failing in the field. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm trying to get this company down. They're going to build machines so I can do business outside of the US and bring them back and everything else. And this is resonating. I, I can't get it out of my head. I come back here, um, tell Lori about it. She said, sounds like a stuffed hash brown. I said, I know, but there's, there's got to be some more roots to it than that. Passive searching on Google found out that it was, uh, it was it uh, had Swiss roots, originated in the canton of Bern, Switzerland, in the early 1800s, as peasant food and wives would shred them and they were cheap and they would sustain the men in the fields all day and they would fill them with leftovers held, you know, that they would hold over from supper the night before. And it would also bring friends and family around the table, as I always say, like it does to Lori and our kids and our friends and family today. But throughout all of this, I just didn't say, I'm done with the equipment, I'm going to start doing this. It took basically in 20. 20- 16, 15, As it turns out, um, we got sued for over two million dollars. Those machines failed in the field. I go to court. I'm being deposed, and they're saying, "Okay, this, this." And I said, "Well, I don't know anything about that. I sell these, but um, you know, the engineer is the one that, uh, you know, my partner is the one that develops it." And so they said, "Well, give me his name and his information. We'll bring him up here and depose him and everything else." So, long story short is. I get called back down to my attorney's office a week later. We found him. I said, "Fantastic! Let's get him up here and get him to pose. So I go down there and I said, "Where's he at?" They said, "Well, we we did find him." I said, "Where'd you find him?" They said, "Well, we found him six feet under at the Cottonwood California Cemetery." I said, "You're kidding me!" And I I, I literally was done. I, I was aghast, and I was like, "I'm taking I'm gonna I'm taking the rap for this. This is this is nuts." What really what came what it came down to was we lost everything our cars were repoed at the bus stop right out here where our kids were, you know, getting into school. And we literally, I was telling them they were both going in for service and there's AAA recovery on the side of the cars. And I was paying his house payment when, uh, you know, I could have, they should have been paying my car payments, but I thought I just felt so sorry for this guy. I wanted to, you know, help him out and everything else and uh, wake up the next morning. And it was, it was over. So, uh, we wake up and, you know, Lori's like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, you know what? We've got our health, our house and our kids. I said, I'm going to go get some potatoes. And she said, for what? We can't, we, we just lost everything. We can't afford anything. And I said, potatoes are cheap. Um, I'm going to start making these things that we had. Remember that? And she goes, the Rosti thing. And I said, yeah. And she goes, we have no money to do that. I said, if everybody waited to have money, no business would get started. And I said, "It's it's cheap. It doesn't cost anything to figure this out in the kitchen." So I start Googling, and I find this Swiss chef online. And I've got all the time in my hands, right? We literally just lost everything. He literally opens up, and I think at the time he was seventy or seventy-five years old. I can hardly understand this guy because we were on this on a voice, you know, connection. But he walked me through it, and he gave me exactly how to process potatoes. Which, by the way, is two days. Um, you know, you just don't process. You just don't boil a potato, um, which is part of our IP, by the way. So I figured this out. And so I said, okay, I think we can do this. And so the next morning we get up and I said, okay, we got to get dressed. We're, we got an appointment. She goes with who? I said, the Oregon food bank. And she goes, well, what are we doing with them? And I said, we're going to go get back to the community. We're going to use, we're going to start feeding the homeless. And then we're going to use that as R and D in our kitchen. And she said, you know, we <laughs> keep, you know, one thing we're missing here is we have no money. And I said, it's fine we will, it doesn't cost anything to, you know, make potatoes and fill them with, you know, just a little bit, you know, to, you know, to figure out how how this is going to work. You know, fast forward a month, we are now partnered with the Oregon Food Bank. I'm now buying bags of potatoes at Cash and Carry, which is now U.S. Foods. I'm buying them for, I think, 15 or 20 pound bags at a time for five or six bucks. And we're making, we're making these rosties. We got the kids involved, Lizzie and Allie, Lori's and our kids, the kids together. So we partner with the Oregon Food Bank, and we start feeding every Wednesday at this lo- local uh, local place for at-risk teens that live on the streets here. And we would feed them at a kitchen at a Episcopal Church downtown Portland every week. And we were making two, three, and four hundred of these rosties a week, filling them with different flavors, coming up with different profiles, and seeing what that looked like. So as we're doing that, I get a call from uh, Sarah Masoni at the uh, Oregon State University Food Innovation Center. And she says to me, I hear you're trying to fill a potato. And I said, Yes, I am. Who is this? And I didn't even know who she was. Long story short is she says, Well, I would our team would like to help you develop and commercialize a, you know, your Rosti. As we're doing, you know, as we're feeding the homeless and we're creating flavors in our kitchen, I invite her and her whole team over and said, What do you think of this? She said, Unbelievable. We want to help you. In May of 2018, and throughout all of this, you've all we still have no money, so that's when these scooters. Are you familiar with these e scooters that you can rent on your on the app on your phone, and yep. you can you know, okay, and you can scoot around? That just hit Portland in uh, October of 2018. So I said, you know what? I can pick up these scooters and I can charge them, and I can make five to fifteen dollars a scooter. And so Lori's like, you're gonna go pick up scooters, and we had all this old beater Yukon Chevy Yukon, and I said, yeah. I'm going to do that, and she goes, "Okay." So I get all of the. So I get the app. I become. There was one called Skip, so I became a Skip Ranger. There was one called Lime, so I became a Lime Juicer. There was one called uh, uh, Bird, and I became a Bird Chaser. So I'm a Bird <laughs> Chaser, a Lime Juicer, and a Skip Ranger, and I'm picking up and I'm frantically. It's a numbers game, right? And everybody's like, "So what are you doing now?" And I said, "Well, we're developing this product, but I've got it. I've got to make money, right?" And they're like, "So you're." I mean, you're picking up scooters, charging them at night, and then putting them out in the morning. I go, yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? I said, I, I guess nothing. I, I, I couldn't pick them up till after nine o'clock. It's pouring ass rain at night. I'm bringing in the, the most I had in this house, and we live in an old brownstone on these hardwood floors, dripping water. I have 27 scooters plugged in everywhere in this house, right? Kids are typically already in bed, so they don't see all this craziness. Because I'm I'm finally in the shower by two in the morning. I leave my clothes out in the front parlor, front entry. Get into bed. I'm back up at four or four thirty because I have to get them back out in all of these different places by seven a.m. the next or six a.m. the next morning, or else I don't get paid. Right. So I do this seven days a week for nine months to be able to feed my family go to Trader Joe's and get three buck chucks. We have something to celebrate, right? When we have something to celebrate and develop this through all of this craziness and this, you know, this, you know, out of the, you know, out of the flames and into the fire and three goes in, four come out. I'm telling you that it was, it was a moment in my life that I look back and uh, I, I, it just seemed like all these pieces, I, I couldn't have done it any other way. Uh, It just fell into place where we kept the family together. We're doing these scooters. We're uh, building this product. Then we go into the Oregon Food Innovation Center, and they say, they delay me, delay me, delay me. And I said, listen, I'll pay the $7,700. And they said, great. I said, but you got to shake my hand because I I, I said, that's $7,700 more than I have, Sarah, right now. But I promise you, I will pay you. And she looked at me and she says, you know, I believe you, I really do believe you. So she shakes my hand, we signed the contract and it was open, pay me. And it was basically like, whenever. So I said, but, but I have to be ready for your winter tasting event, December the 14th. So we go into ideation, October the 16th. So literally less than two months later, I told her I need five flavors. I got shirts made, I got signs made. I act like we've been in the marketplace forever, right? Perception being reality and we make it. Lori and I are in the kitchen there every single day working with them right down the street in their commercial kitchen. I'm working with some amazing food science and chefs and Sarah, she's putting the twist. She's a, she's a master of dairy and, and, uh, and ice cream. So she's suggesting raclette and these different cheeses. And so we're all ready. We get to the winter tasting event. We have, they're all uh, handmade. They're not commercialized. Right. And we get there and where there's 50 food entrepreneurs and, and drink and and uh, ice cream, whatever, whoever was at the time making something there at the Oregon State program are all there. The event ends at seven, eight o'clock line. Everybody's gone. I didn't even notice everybody gone, locked up. Uh, I have a line still in front of our table. And Sarah comes up to me. She goes, we've been closed for an hour, Steve. Um, you know, Can you wrap it up and follow up with these people tomorrow? I said, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's great. Let's do that. The next morning, I uh, wake up at 5 o'clock, as I always do, come downstairs, get on my computer, and there's two vendor agreements from New Seasons and Market of Choice, John Boyle, VP of Market of Choice, and Chris Tursland, VP of New Seasons Market, and that's, they're, they're, they're really well-known chains here in Portland, totaling 32 stores. They said, okay, sign up. And I'm like, So I emailed both of them thanked them very much, and I said, guys, I have no idea where I'm going to make this. I mean, this just happened eight weeks ago from a napkin. They said, we loved it. It's innovative and you'll figure it out. We guarantee it. And we want you on our shelves first. So we, Lori and I then go to fancy food show. Four weeks later, incubator village, 2019, pouring rain in San Francisco, upstairs, 24 inch booth, 750 handmade ones that Lori and I made, put them on dry ice, quartered them. We open up corporate from Austin, Whole Foods walks up to us, taste it. They all peel away. Alex Hickey. Kelly Landrow and Denise Braley, who is the local forager for Whole Foods, and the other two are global and national. They, three of them walked back up to me and Laurie and said, it's the most innovative potato we've ever tasted. We're going to launch you immediately in the Pacific Northwest region, and you will be global in two years. Wow. And I went, I have no idea where I'm going to make this. And then true to form, we figured that out, got a little seed money. And I'm not going to say the rest of history because even today we're in a raise, right? Yeah. It's uh, in that's that's the story to that date you've all
1: now i've never heard that full story in the past and i will say there's a lot to uncover there uh but (laughs) i thought i was a grinder i i thought that i had accomplished things in my life i feel like a complete loser at this point because (laughs) i don't know about most people but by the time i was 17 18 i haven't accomplished much other than Play some video games, chase after girls. That's just about it. And you were already driving. You probably got married, divorced three times, you know, all of it just by the time you were 20. Man, that's an interesting, an interesting life. Sure. You brought us to a point where we met around 2020. Right. Exactly. Uh, so that's a good segue, but I do want to go back for a second in terms of your, your siblings do you have a close relationship with them? Did they, you know, what, did, what are they doing?
0: Uh, I'm not super close to them. Um, there was a fallout uh, after my dad passed and there was some, there was just some, some things going on in my life at the time. And, and uh, it was just one of these things. I love them. There's four of them. Uh, and none of them took on an ar- entrepreneurial journey. Uh, they all went to college. They all uh, found different you know, uh, channels. channel someone back to school late in life, uh, become radiologists and things and take care of their family. And I respect everything all of them have done. Um, you know, there was some hiccups in my life where, you know, losing everything and, and, uh, and I guess perceived embarrassment or what have you that I just, I water off my back. I mean, I, you know, there were some things that, you know, uh, accusations and all kinds of things that just went on and on and on. and and. Uh, you know, God love my dad. I just, I, I I wasn't able to be there when he passed. And it was just one of these, it it was just, it wasn't a great, you know, I I'm, I'm the first one to, you know, to forgive and move on and that, you know, things happen. You know, I, it's one of these things. I, I don't think I would have ever said this until this, you know, these, these moments in life, you know, these, uh, yeah, these moments in life, uh, happen, but you know, some of my, my closest family, uh, are not blood. Right, or don't have my DNA. And it it comes down to, you know, I, I I don't know how how you call it. I I'm a I'm an A type. Uh it, nothing stops me. You can't tell me no. Uh you've never been able to tell me no. I'll just find another way. Okay. Uh whether that's my birth date October twenty eighth as a Scorpio, whatever. I just it, people I, I you know, oh God, you lost everything. Oh my God, let's get the pity party around you. And I'm like, I don't want that. That's not the party I want to have. I'm going to start, I'm going to, this is the, there was a reason for this and I'm going to use it as an opportunity to follow my dreams, follow my food dreams at the age of 54 years old, four years ago. This wasn't 15 years ago. This was, we lost everything in 2017, 2018. And to look at my, you know, my wife in the eye and and, and just tell her it's going to be fine, but it's, you know, it doesn't look great right now. We're, We're going to be fine, but we're going to, we're going to do this. And there's just you, you figure out who your friends are. You can't file bankruptcy and 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 not you know have that circle around. Um, and then you know all of a sudden I'm like, hey, let's call let's call you know Dennis and see what he's doing. And I'm like, why don't they why don't your friends come around anymore? And this you know you know I, I guess their their perception was we were you know we were we had everything. And then when we had nothing, and there was one couple that stuck with we were with them last night. By the way, Jenna Nuve. But I mean, there, there, I I just, it just brought me back to reality that, you know what, my faith first, absolutely. Then my family, um, the, what we want to instill and continue to instill in our kids, uh, one word, empathy. We live in the city of Portland, tents everywhere and going all through this stuff. The bottom line is until you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Okay. I feel sorry for parts of my family, right? That, that. Okay, like you ask back to my siblings, back to my blood, but I can't, you know, I can't do anything about that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I can only, I can only put myself uh, in whatever that is. But my kids have always learned, you know, that just, just remember that one word, and when you, when you just say it out loud, life isn't really that, that hard, you know. There's a lot of people, it, it's a lot tougher. Even if you lost everything, right? I mean, I, I've told my kids to this day, and I honestly believe this, you have all blindfold me although i am afraid of heights but I'm, ju- I'm saying this uh you know uh hypothetically blindfold me drop me from a helicopter with my piece of id no phone okay and if it's cold out give me a warm clothes if it's not cold out i, I can wear whatever in the morning i'll have a job okay by the afternoon i'll have something to eat I'll have a place to stay and somebody yeah. will loan me their phone to call and let everybody know I was fine yep. and I will start something. I will work somewhere. I'll bartend, whatever, even though I've never done it before. I've just, my dad always told me, look in the mirror, Stephen, John, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Anything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And if you get that out of the equation, what what else is there? I mean, nothing to it, but to do it. I, one of my dad's salesmen told me that when I was nine years old, I'm like, I don't know if I can park that car next to that. I think I'm going to hit that pole. And he goes, just park it up there, lift the hood. Cause that's the one we have for sale. I said, I don't know if I can do it. He said, there's nothing to it, but to do it, just mm-hmm. do it. And if you hit something, then you won't do that again, or you'll figure it out. You just, you just got to do it. And I've always, I mean, so people that know me closest, I mean, have always you know, I'm no different at a show, at a, at a, at a, food show now or anywhere else. I wake up every morning in expectation. I expect today to be better than yesterday. I just expect it. I expect the phone to ring and somebody would like to, you know, either give me business or ask me to help them out on something. Right. I, I just, I, I live in expectation you've all, and it's, and it's, it's truly a blessing that, you know, even what we're going through now, buying out my JV partner six months ago rebranding a lot of hiccups along the way we can get into that if you want but I mean there's some things we like wow I I, <laughs> I had to do this over again um, you know I, I wouldn't have done it like quite like that um, but we're you know we're we're forging ahead one of my guys I just brought on Tom Garvey appointed in vice president of sales 27 years director of sales for Unilever 12 years president of adW this is talent that you can't you can't write, you, you can write a book about, and he yeah. saw us at incubator village. He comes up now. He's the vice president of ops or uh, uh, vice president of sales for, for Rosty Stuff's Plus, you know what he said? You're a I <laughs> said, what do you mean? I'm a goo. And he says, dude, you've surrounded yourself with so much talent. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and, all the things we're in with crisp and with promo mass and everything else. I mean, and that's what he means. He means God, this you all guy and crisp all this you've, you've, you've attracted all this because you recognize that, you know, what you don't know. You've admitted that all of your life. And I have, I know what I don't know. So I'm going to surround myself with people that know. Right. So I can kind of shorten this. Right. But he said, you're Magoo. You never look back. Yeah. You only look forward and we pick up the shit along the way. Right. But that's what we're here for. So yeah. you
1: do you. If there was a picture in the dictionary of what a true entrepreneur is, your photo would be there. I mean, you and I are really similar in terms of expectation for the day, knowing that no matter what happens, you're getting up in a day and you're going to make shit happen. And it doesn't matter. Like you cannot fail. There's no failure. So the way that I look at life, yeah, the way that I look at life is either I'm going to succeed or I'm going to die. Either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So one way or another, (laughs) I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to die, but I'm not, I'm not giving up on zero from from that dream. I remember being six years old and, and, and just remember thinking six years old, I'm going to do something big. The reality is you and I and other entrepreneurs who are real entrepreneurs, not wantrepreneurs. You know, we probably have a lot of wantrepreneurs listening right now. Mark Cuban coined that uh, term. But those are the ones that have a bunch of ideas, but never get their shit together and never do anything. Or they start and they dabble, but they never really become masters at it. Right. And that's, I, I'm hoping that the, those that are listening who are entrepreneurs really listen to what you're saying and, tr- and try to understand that that's what it takes. You know, the loss after loss after loss, getting <laughs> kicked getting kicked in the nuts every single morning and then get, you know, getting up and getting kicked in the afternoon. And that's exactly what it takes. It's not no different for you in your business, for me, in my business. Let's, let's go back just for one thing. When did you get married for the first time? And what happened in that relationship? was? Did you already have a business? Was it before your business? How did that uh, transpire?
0: I'll give you your first name is, is Melissa. Great school sweetheart. I was always heavy. I, my dad had big bones and so, uh, and he always kept me, uh, he always, he got these shears, right. And he would cut my hair, then he, and bald, then he would cut my brother's hair bald. And then he would clip, uh, my Mickey, the poodle, right? So it would always start with me, Michael, and then the poodle, uh, and you know, then we'd go off to school. Well, you could play connect the dots and all the bowls on my head. Um, and I was always, you know, three feet tall by three feet wide. And so <laughs> fourth grade, uh, we moved from Tacoma, from Holy Cross to St. Paul's. And uh, this cute gal um, uh, walked up to me one day and I was eating lunch and, and uh, you know, kids wouldn't come around me and, uh, or either make fun of me or, you know, I was bullied until I found my height in seventh yeah. grade. Right. But I was always really heavy. And I had good friends. Don't get me wrong. But there was always, you know, there was always that crowd, even in Catholic school, maybe maybe even more in, in, a, in a private school setting. I don't know. Uh, I, uh, but um, I, I would find myself, you know, crying myself to sleep, probably eating a you know, a candy bar uh, or a, or a, or a ice cream cone or something or sneaking, you know, the peanut butter jar into my bedroom. Uh, you know, but it was just one of these things where I always had a weight problem. And, um, she would come up to me and she'd be the only one to talk to me. And so anyway, I, I, seventh grade, I shoot straight up and now I've had the band and now I'm feathering my hair like David Cassidy in the Partridge family. And, uh, I think I'm looking a little bit better than I did, uh, in my, you know, myself. Um, and long story short, she, be, she became my, my high school, my, my sweetheart. I never went out with really anybody else. Then, um, you know, we, we broke up. I went on the road, came back, uh, and reconnected when I was at my dad's dealership. And we got married. We got married in nineteen uh, nineteen eighty-six. And you were home. And old? I was uh eighty-six. I had just turned twenty, wasn't twenty-one yet. So very um young. got it. Yeah, very young. But see, I'd already had I had three rental homes that I paid 17, 26, and 44, respectively, uh, from the money I got on the road, uh, that I would send home to my dad um and so i'm a i'm a i'm a basically a slumlord or a landlord for these six or these three homes in Yakima and so and then i'm selling cars and i'm his finance manager and i'm making you know my on my 20th year when uh, before i turned 21 um uh, my whole year a 12 month income i made $126,000 her father was a truck driver her brother was a truck driver her, his dad her dad had like three surgeries back surgeries cuz he was a long haul truck driver all the time but one day her parents, uh, we had been married, I don't know, a year, year and a half. And one day we had, they wanted to have me over for dinner at a family meeting. And they literally looked at me and said, we saw your tax returns. And I said, yeah. Okay. And they said, we think there's more going on than just the car business. Are you, are you selling drugs? And I went, what? I said, are you kidding me? I, I'm, I'm, I make, as much as I want. I mean, I, I you know, I've I worked six hours or six days a week, 15 hours a day, but we have these rental homes. We have this house. We just remodeled. I'm 20 years old. You know, I've got, I've got a 760 beacon score, uh credit score. Right. Um, I could drive whatever I want. So I'm driving the nicest cars right off the truck. I said, my life's good. What, what is the deal? They said, hey, we're just not buying it. The that that, that people in your industry make that kind of money. And it became this. And I'm like, You're kidding me. And I, I literally married her. She had never, until we got married. Okay. Until we got married, she didn't move into my house until after we got back from the honeymoon, if you know what I mean. So she was staunch Catholic. Um, and so anyway, uh, we became, you know, we, we got a divorce two years later. Uh, it just wasn't working out. I said, I can't keep doing this. I can't, you know, I, I I don't know what else to do. I, I felt like I was 10 years older yeah. Just in life experiences. Right. i I tell people sometimes I've lived, I've lived a lot of lives,
1: right. You have, yes. um,
0: and, but, uh, so that was my first wife, uh, no kids. And then, so I got, I was in the car business in, in Seattle. I got introduced to my second wife who I have three kids with beautiful children. Um, Colton, my oldest son, then Lana, uh, my oldest daughter, and then Cassie, my second, the oldest daughter who are 30, 29 and 28 right now. And then, uh, so, uh, we were married for three and a half years, three kids, uh, a year apart, and then there was just some. You know, there was just there was a lot going on there too, and I won't get into it. It was uh, I'll just sum it up as as abusive, and so I finally had to leave. I mean, it was it was it was towards me, not me being the instigator. I was just it was it was just not good, and it was the hardest thing I ever I've ever done. Had a big home at the base of Mount Rainier, um, indoor swimming pool. I guess I'm at the time 26 now, um, five acres. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, but still, I mean, it's material, right? Uh, there was no substitute for my mental health and well being. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, showing up with black eyes uh, as I'm running dealerships nationally. And I had to say, I got in the car, you know, I, I I had a fender bender and I wasn't wearing my seatbelt and, you know, the, it just kept compounding and compounding. And the dealer's like this, come into my office. I don't buy it. And I'm like, I'm working it out. Okay. I, I I go, I I really have to leave. It's, it's, it's too much. So I leave these three kids, you know crying right and and uh a lot a lot a lot happened a lot of a lot of stuff and a whole another conversation to unpack but uh my second uh, my second time uh five years never dated uh moved to portland and that's when uh you know i, I pick up on the story where you know i got my severance package after being at the millennial party uh with rob Milam, the vp of ford and um Long story short is that I didn't date for five years. I'm running uh, the yacht manager at uh, the Sea Ray dealership here. I love boats. I said, I'm going to I'm gonna go get a job. I'm going to get this job. And I showed up and I go, I'm here for this job. And they go, well, we got a lot of applicants. And I'm like, no, 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 you're going to hire me because I love boats and I need this job. And I just moved here, so you're going to hire me. And they're like, well, we got a bunch of interviews. And I said, I'll wait. So I come back the next week with my, with my khakis on and my white polo shirt and my blue blazer. And I said, now am I the part? And they're like, yeah what's up with you i said i'm gonna i'm gonna sell more boats you ever sold boats i've never sold boats but i said i love boats so um i go to they hire me i said they said okay jesus we're gonna hire you i said i have three kids i'm supporting i don't date you know i'm I'm just i'm focused so a buddy of mine says oh you should go on match.com i get a different date every night and i and i said that's why i'm not on match.com i don't have any motivation to do that and so about six months into this, and I had just, uh, I'm reading Sea Ray Living magazines when no boats are selling and it's pouring down rain in the middle of the winter here. Um, and they, Sea Ray Living always, Sea Ray, uh, boats have these rendezvous that they dealerships do with their customers to get them out on the water, get everybody together. Right. So I said to the owner, I said, Hey, I, I want to do this. I want to set this up and go to the San Juan islands in the, in Washington and do all this stuff for like seven or eight days. And he said, I hate boats. I'm third generation. Uh, If you want to do that, here's my credit card. Figure it out. So I had meetings every month. I appointed a captain. I I got Related magazine to fly up from Chicago. They did a whole story. Uh, But two months before that, I do match.com. I wouldn't meet any girls. I put a picture of me and my three kids, said package deal or whatever the hell I said in Portland. And my first nine dates, I would never go out at night. Again, not my motivation. I would only see him for coffee. Every single time. Nine times in a row at the end of the, at the end of the hour, you know what they said? Oh my God, that's amazing. I really can get back out there and do it. And I said, you go, (laughs) you can do this. And I felt like, I felt like Dr. Phil. I thought, and so after this, I'm like, I I told my aunt, and she goes, what are you, a psychologist? I said, I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting across, but all nine people said, God, I just feel so much better now. I can get out there. I go, go for it. You could do anything. And then I get this picture. It turns out to be Lori. Captain sat sitting in the 747 of Northwest Airlines. And, uh, and I go, and she's texting me. No kids, never been married. And she sees mine. She goes, God, so cute. Long story short is 4th of July, 2002, blind date, Starbucks, Washington Square Mall. I'm supposed to be at my aunt's for a barbecue. It's 4th of July. And I said, I'll be back in an hour. I left my phone in the car. Okay. As a, you know, as a good, nice gentleman, I didn't realize four and a half hours went by. And I'm like, I finally looked at the clock and I'm like, Holy shit. It's three thirty. I got a barbecue. I'm supposed to be, Kate, right now. I said, have you got any plans? She goes, no, I got no plans. I said, what about the, uh, what about, are you a captain of the airline? She goes, oh no. She says, remember Marsh, you know, the twin towers that went down? I go, yeah. She goes, I was, I was one of the executives here at Marsh, uh, uh, here in Portland. And I, and she goes, and when that went down, the office closed, I got a severance. I was there 13 years as an executive in insurance. I go, oh, wow. I said, so why the captain? She goes, you know when you get on an airplane, like when you're going to Hawaii, and the captain asks you if you want to sit in the cockpit and get a picture taken? And I go, babe, no, that doesn't happen to me. They said, find your freaking seat. I can see why he wanted you in the captain's seat. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we were engaged 13 days, 18 days later. Uh, at the end of July, she goes on this cruise that I set up for Sea Ray up in the San Juan Islands. There's a whole article done on us at the December of 2022 Sea Living Magazine called Northern Exposure. The whole story about Lori and I, how we met and uh, we're engaged three weeks later. Uh, we got married December uh, 21st, three months later, and that'll be 20 years next month. She's my best friend, amazing mother, empathy like crazy. You know who she is. Everybody should get to know somebody that's an angel.
1: She's an incredible human being and, and the love and support that she has for you from unbelievable. The little, from the little that I know of her. And I've seen her only a couple of times. So you got the kids because of the abuse. So you got full custody. Is that what happened? I
0: didn't get full custody. And that's the other thing. That's a whole nother story. Uh, you know, in the county that I got divorced in uh, the, uh, you know, I used to say this, and this was told to me by the, by the opposing counsel, they would say in this county. The mother can show up with a needle in one arm and a drink in the other and a cigarette in her mouth and get custody of the kids. That's just the way it is. Lori was pregnant with Allie. We were going up there, had incredible attorneys, incredible private investigators, incredible footage, incredible arrests, incredible all this other stuff. Didn't matter. Wow. But to this day, it was, you'll never see him again, you know, until they're 18. And I said, you know, guess what's going to happen. But I'll see him for the rest of their life. Mm. And they all live right here.
1: Wow, that's uh, that's incredible. Um, All right, let's 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 actually tell every because now we know how you met everybody else in your life. Let's talk about how we first met. So when when you and I first met, you sent me a LinkedIn message, okay, with a YouTube video. The first frame had a disclaimer. Now, granted, this is well, I'll tell you when this is. You 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 guys will know based on the disclaimer. Disclaimer went like this. Big words. Disclaimer. Everyone involved in the filming of this video practiced social distancing and wore masks. The roof scene, although you're afraid of ha- heights, included only our children, son-in-law, and safe neighbor circle. We are professional lovers of rostis We want you to try all of our rostis flavors at home safely. We want you to tell your friends and family to try them safely as well. And then the disclaimer fades to a shot that you were in, you, know, you, were, you had a shirt and a tie, a little disheveled, but yeah, you had a shirt and a tie, <laughs> sitting at your desk, a white orchid to their side, to, I think sad. to your right, and the background, I just want people to understand how clever you are. The background, there was a bunch of toilet paper, tissues,
0: Lysol. Clorox,
1: right? Clorox. <laughs> Clorox wipes, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah, that's right. And three Rusty flavors that you had at that time. time. Well yeah. done, my friend. Well done. <laughs> and the first words that came out of your mouth were, Hi, I'm Steven, co-founder of What is a <laughs> And then you went on to explain the product. You know, I've never heard of what a Rosti is. You explained what a is is. is about a five or six different definitions. <laughs> Of what a Rosti is. I guess everybody can understand the timing. We're talking about May of 2020.
0: Okay? Oh my God.
1: The You just started your business a year prior? Not maybe? even a year. Not even a uh, year. We
0: hit shelves nine months before. Nine months before. Everything shut down.
1: A product like yours will die on the shelf without demos or an experience of that sort. You can't just put a frozen product with three SKUs on sale and expect anything to happen. So now you, a man of many talents and the discipline to say the least of just a true grinding entrepreneur went out and started becoming innovative. At this point, I just lost with ProMesh 80% of my business because our business initially was all about demos. So we were helping, we were working with brands who were mm-hmm. demoing events, merchandising, et cetera, and helping them manage those events. So scheduling, reporting, analysis, and all that stuff. We were doing really, really well. We were going three triple digits every year since we launched you know, in 2015 and then lost 80% of our business because you know when there's no demos, there's no you know, business. Exactly. So I want to start kind of the conversation there. And I want to understand you know, your mindset, your kids' mindsets your wife's mindset because not only are you starting a business in CPG in the frozen space which is probably the most difficult place to be covid just came about you know i experienced in 2008 my first swan, black swan event mm-hmm. which was not fun i lost right. my business you know i lost retail i didn't know mm-hmm. how to handle it but you know that experience actually allowed me to survive covid my second but this was mm-hmm. pretty much your first Yep. You know, real black swan event. First of all, give me the final definition of a Rasti because I know you've been updating it. You know, uh, there's like four or five definitions. That you have a video like asking your wife, what's a Rasti? Asking your daughter, what's a Rasti? Your neighbor's telling you what a Rasti is. So what is a, a Rasti? What was your mindset during the time that we first met? Yep. Another calamity, maybe the fear of losing it all again? You know so yep. quickly. Oh my God! Your wife, your mm-hmm. you know her support or lack of. I don't know. We'll see what what that brings up. It mm-hmm. couldn't have been easy. I'm sure so. many nights of fear and crying and sitting in the bathroom with your thumb in your in you know in your mouth uh, in fetal position, like you know a lot of people, including myself, at that point. What did you learn? Tell me that story. But start we off with what is a rosti?
0: A rosti is. Basically, a stuffed hash brown. So just picture the crispiest with the right amount of salt and butter or oil of a hash brown. And what do I do anytime I go into a restaurant and I order hash browns? Get them extra crispy, please. Yep. Right,
1: my wife too. So yep.
0: exactly. So uh, a rosti is like an oversized tater tot or a stuffed hash brown with cheese inside. So it's that crispy deliciousness, shredded crispy deliciousness on the outside with that surprise inside. So when you bite into it or cut into it, you hear the crunch, you get that crisp, and then you get that explosion of flavor uh, in the different flavors that we've put together. Currently in retail, we've got a melty three cheese, which is Parmesan mozzarella and cheddar, which is absolutely and to die for it's the cheese and the potato i mean that's what it is and we have a a, a twice baked potato or that loaded baked potato with all the usual suspects cream cheese sour cream chives and a, chives and a nice coarse cracked pepper finish and then the then the one that rounds it out is what i refer to as the classic is raclette and if you've never had raclette you can't untaste raclette you can't Correct. cross back over okay uh we import it from switzerland um, it's a little tough. It's uh, it's quite spendy. Um, but we, 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 we keep in the Pacific Northwest region and, uh, and I believe fresh time, we just signed with them and they have it on their shelves, but not, not a lot. Uh, it's a spendy one, but, uh, uh, and then we've, you know, we've gone into food service now and we're launching the club and uh, a lot of things going on. So that's what a Rosti is. It's a stuffed hash brown. It'll either sit on your plate or you can grab it as a handheld bite into it. And it's the, it's the, it's, it's the best crispy hash brown you've ever had with cheese melting on the inside. And it's absolutely delicious.
1: I like your daughter's definition. It's a big stuffed tater tot. That's
0: what what it is. Okay. It's a stuffed tater tot. It's a big stuffed
1: tater tot.
0: (laughs) Big stuffed tater tot. Remember when I asked her, what were you eating last year? Hot dogs. What are you eating this year?
1: Oh, that, that, okay. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the video link. The one that I saw initially oh, from great. two years okay, ago perfect. See that. Yeah, yeah. in the show notes, definitely watch it. All right. So let's go to the heart stuff, yep. mindset, fear, what's going on, what's happening. Cause we really want to understand the mindset of, of what it means to start a business in CPG yep. and yep. what it takes to, to get through a difficult spot.
0: Sure. Well, we hit shelves. Uh, it was from what I'm told, this is my first time ever doing this, but we went from a napkin to on shelf in 264 stores in nine months, literally from a napkin in October of 2018, where we hit shelves, August 15th, 2019. So COVID hits, uh, we just come out of, uh, of fancy food, our second winter fancy food show. And we're starting to do this. And again, we're getting more traction and more stores and, and everything else. And we're putting in our production forecast and then COVID hits. And Lori's like, nobody can go to the store. I mean, you got to, you got to only go between these times. Only one person have to have the mask on and we've got shields and all kinds of stuff. And I said, we got to get creative. We have to blow up our social media. So I just start writing because I like to you know, I like to think I'm kind of funny or I, I'm, I'm creative. OK, so I start writing the script and my next door neighbor, Eric, is a lead camera for ESPN Sports and, and all of that. I mean, the Olympics and everything else. So I, I texted him and I said, hey, you know, you, you remember you had your own pods or your own. What did you call them? Your own uh, you, people you, you hung out with. only them. And it could be your neighbor, your next door neighbor. But we made it a point that their kids and our kids would stick together and we would just spend time together. Well, so I put him behind the camera and I wrote this whole script and that was his son that said, have you ever had a Rosti? No. What do you think? I love it. Uh, You know, all this stuff went on and I start just firing these videos out on, on, on social media. We do the rooftop thing. Um, we, I think we coined, I forget the name of that song, but we changed it. Uh, to, to make it rusty. Um and I, ju- I just said we need to, we need to keep you know we just need to keep blasting this out and uh, you know getting social media with it because there's really nothing else we can do. And so we're all home, right? And so we did uh, you know we did we did a, a, a spoof on the office. Uh, we did that one that you're that you're talking about, which was so fun. Um, but it was really just if you think about not making it, you know, for more than five minutes, I mean, you you, you could, you, 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 you'll go, you'll go under, right? We switched it around and said, we need to have fun. The kids are homeschooled and all the rooms upstairs are all in the different laptops or different classes and trying to get them up in the morning and get them motivated. And then I'm making these videos with them and, and, you know, running a company and Laurie and I are trying to figure this out, but it's really, you know, everybody's on their phone. So let's figure out how to keep, you know, how to keep this, you know, this train rolling down the tracks. And we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long it's going to, we all assumed, oh, it's going to be back next week, right? We'll be back next week. But I I guess that's part of the thing about, maybe maybe that just kept driving me because I didn't realize we would be down for a year, a year and a half. And people started going to the, uh, started going to the frozen section, you know, and stocking up and blessed to say that we had, uh, you know, after about three or four months of just, doing these videos and talking to people and on blogs and social media and kids tell your friends and tell your family and tell them and this and this and this and you know dropping off samples at doorsteps you know on dry ice and then running away and then texting them okay your samples are here let me know what you think and you know we were just doing whatever it took to get the word out because it, you're you're right in-store demos every single time we show up for a 4-hour in-store demo we Laurie and I were in Seattle all weekend um, we did the you know we did a big event for them up there and we show up with samples they have their samples that they increase there by 20 percent, and we sell the whole store yeah, in exactly. two hours
1: yep i believe it yeah it was tough and and how was the support coming from a very destructive marriage now you're in a in a good one is was the support there was was the or or did you guys have you know issues because i know a lot of entrepreneurs during difficult times you know myself included with my wife i was about to lose my wife yeah. in my marriage um, during the time that literally I was a million dollars in debt, I was overweight, oh. my health, my yep. spirituality, like the whole thing was just falling down, you know, in, in, in a spiral that I just could not control. Right. And that transpires because of so much pressure yes. and so Huge much pressure. going on, right? When during Huge those pressure. times, how was that? How was that and how did you overcome it? Because obviously you're not divorced, so you're still with no, ex- so, ex- Exactly. So how did you overcome it?
0: I'm going to tell you on the flip side, I'd already been through two divorces. I guess my assumption was that this is going to be a tough road. Okay. And I just woke up one morning and, and I think it was what I was saying to her when she, when we lost everything. And she said, what are we going to do? You're going to have to get a job. I'm going to have to go back to work. What are we, I said, babe, we're going to do this. I wake up and she's like, just keep doing what you're doing. People love these. We just need to get more and more people. And she says, "Get on camera, do this. Get on, you know." And I'm like, "Okay." And the kids were behind it. We're doing events at their school, you know, virtual events. Um, we did a couple of auctions where we gave away a year supply of uh, of rosties and got more, you know, more engagement than people were buying them. It was absolutely a partnership. It was a true partnership. And to this day, like I, I, I people look at us and go. You know, this, it, it wasn't just manufactured, uh, I, I, but I could have never met her had I not gone through what I went through. You follow me? I would have mm-hmm. never met her had I not lost my first wife, who thought I was a drug dealer in the car business, who I had not lost my second wife, who was hugely abusive, and I have three kids. I would have never met her. I had to—everything was orchestrated in my life, all the shit that I went through and all the stuff that happened— to put me in a place where I could receive that connection, right? And she could receive me, you know, so when we started this and we got married and, you know, there's, there's ups and downs, but I mean, when we did this company and she knew that, you know, before COVID hit, how much success we were having just in the eyes of people tasting it, she yeah. was like, I'm all in. What can we do? What can yeah. we do? What can the kids do? What can the kids do? And it was a thousand percent all. But like I said, I've made it and lost it. I've lost two. I was through two marriages. I've been in the worst, darkest alleys of my life. Um, exactly where you were at million dollars in debt and all this other stuff. I I, I just happen to be blessed at this one. Um, and I don't, I I don't, I'm not a proponent of, you know, go get, go have two shitty relationships, get divorced <laughs> and find your third one. Right. That was yeah. never the motivation. Yeah. It just I, I was the, uh, you know, the song, God bless the broken road. I mean, my yeah. God, she, w- I always say this, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a believer. I mean, I say the same thing every morning. I say the prayer to Baz and I say, you know, you send an angel from heaven that I will love and cherish all the rest of my days. And I just say, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, thank you for today. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Just thank you because I can do this and I can do it even better with them.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. The whole show is all about seven hats. My theory is that there are seven categories in your life that are super important for entrepreneurs or just anybody to have to find fulfillment and success. And the first three are the soul, the athlete, and the servant. The fourth one is the entrepreneur. So the soul is all about self-love, self-care mindset. The second is the athlete health and, and nutrition and, and sleep and fitness, right? Mm-hmm. And the servant is relationships with others. So while habit number one is the relationship with yourself, Hat number three is the relationship with others. And the funny mm-hmm. thing is, and it's not actually funny, it's, it's by, on purpose, the three most important hats are before the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur yeah. was not hat number one. And right. the reason being is because we focus as entrepreneurs, and this is why we, we get into trouble, we focus on being the entrepreneur first. Yeah. And we don't pay attention to the soul, the athlete, the servant, We don't pay attention to these aspects. And I would add another one, which is probably the most important, the seeker, which is spiritual, you know, the higher higher self, right? Mm -hmm. So you have those four hats that without them, you're toast. You cannot do well in business unless you have the mindset, the energy, the support, and your faith in a higher self, some sort of faith, right? Right. And that's your life. You know, you've, you've proven that no matter what happens, you had something to go and lean back on your self-love and self-worth and the ability to get up and, and have the energy, you know, you had relationship with, you know, God, as an example, when you needed, you know, him most, when you had a great relationship with others that helped you through those difficult times. So there's so much here that I think is so valuable to entrepreneurs who are listening, who, who maybe are younger, you know, who just started out, don't make the same mistakes that we did, you know, yep. because we've made the mistake of focusing everything into our business and, and getting burnt out and crushed in that respect, which then led to all an issue with everything else and everyone else in our lives. But instead, now we're focusing on the other aspects of our lives that are, that's helping our business. So we've learned, and I think that's, yeah. that's, that's the beauty of it, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I got to tell you, throughout all of this, I was given a book by a very close friend of mine named Arnie. And I never, I was never a reader. I, I, I just, you know, the time it took, like, I've never been, in, I've never taken a nap, okay, unless I was just ill, like sick. And I just, I just needed to find the time to close my eyes because I was sick, which is very rare. But uh, I've never napped. I honestly, I have this and I don't, I don't know what it is, but, uh, it's this guilt feeling that I'm going to miss something during the time that I'm up, that the sun's up. Right. Um, and so I've never been a napper and I've never been a reader. And about five years ago, I started reading And in one year I read 57 books, the top book. And, and you know, uh, the, the the number one book that was given to me first by this gentleman by the name of Arnie was the traveler's gift by Andy Andrews. Are you familiar with Andy Andrews?
1: I am not. I'm going to look him up.
0: Uh, the traveler's Gift. I would suggest, I had every one of my kids read it, Lori read it, uh, anybody that I can get in front of them, and I'm not here just to promote, I do not even know Andy, but it was one of these things, you talk about entrepreneur, you talk about losing everything, you talk about everything, you know what it brings? One word, perspective. Mm-hmm. It's all about perspective. Yep. And um, if, if anybody gets something out of, God, we have a lot of the same We've been on the same road, you've We've all been on the same and the, road, it, yes. yeah, and the more I talk to you and I just, uh, I've talked to more about you, not in front of you in the last three years. than I've talked about you in front of you. I, I because I knew there was a connection when I first met you and uh, it's no mystery. We're engaged now uh, in business. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, And now with the, the intro I made to you and Chris and out of the blue, all of a sudden go shocker two amazing companies that I've always wanted to work with partner together. That's no mystery. That was released and congratulations, by the way, but all about, it's, it's, it's all about, it's, I, I truly believe it. It's all about perspective and, and where you take what you've learned and where you're going. And, um, but I, I, I would strongly
1: suggest that book. I, I will say, you know, now that, now that you mentioned it, there are no accidents and many things must happen in order to create the current situation that we're in, we've kept in touch. You were definitely not ready for promo mash And, you know, I never no. pushed. I never asked it. you. I never pushed. You. I never asked you even once for your business because nope. I knew that, you know, if I was there for you, that one day you're going to get to be, you know, at a certain level that you're going to need, you know, my services mm-hmm. and, yep. and, and hopefully, you know, I'd be able to help. And, and that just recently happened. But really, the gift that you gave me, which, you know, is just incredible, was an introduction to Samantha Shend, who is the VP uh, of sales for Crisp. And Crisp is a data company that really completed us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were a platform that were it was just like any other platform. I mean, I can say it's better and it's got different features and blah, 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 blah. But in essence, you can get the same type of services with other platforms. And we had competitors. But when you introduced me to Samantha and you said, wait a second, I see a partnership here Mm because I love Crisp and I use their data, but I can't plan on that platform. I can't understand how that data affects my promotions and and my activity in retail. And you made that introduction. And I got to be honest with you, I think you change the trajectory of both of our companies because it's just an incredible
0: you you know um
1: it's just an incredible partnership and and what we've done since then no one can can compete you know because we have an exclusive not at all to get data into a platform for you know your for cpg brands largest spend and and so i thank you for that but more importantly I thank you for your friendship and I thank you for the, I mean, everything It's just, we've just been on this crazy journey on LinkedIn and then, and it was just incredible. And I speak of you all the time and I'm a huge fan, um, a, a huge fan of who you are, a huge fan of your product. Uh, it's unreplicable. Yeah. You, know, you can't make it. Like if I tried to make a rusty, it'd be a smashed potato. I mean, like what you did, <laughs> was was incredible you know i'm lucky that my you know uh, the whole foods at sedona has your product so i can purchase it a couple more things because we can talk forever and i and i you know i'm not joe rogan yet i probably can't keep the attention of my listeners for five <laughs> hours Maybe in the, maybe in a little bit, but we're getting I to a point. Where, we're getting to a point as interesting as this is. They got other things to do, other shit. Exactly. So I do want to mention one thing in the video that I've seen. You had a photo of Grandma Stina with eight or nine kids, a couple of adults holding their hand up, and you asked, you know, who is? it? Anyway, you got to watch the video. You got to watch Grandma, the video. Who is Grandma Stina? Stina? You know, were the kids related to her? Are they real kids? Are they actors? You know, tell me about that photo because I just always (laughs) had a question. Never got a chance to ask you.
0: I I came up with that name first and I said, I need... I need to take the roots back. And you saw it was all one take, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to give anything away, but click on the link, please, you guys, and, and watch the video because one of the funnest ones I've ever made, and there's several on YouTube that you can find, but that is, that is really a fun one. And, and I, I just, I, I didn't think that you were, I didn't think it was going to go this way to talk about this video. So thank you. And I'm going to watch it again um, because I haven't seen it in a long time, but I came up with grandma Steena first. And then I start searching for a photo from Sweden or Switzerland, I should say, from Swiss, uh, of a family with grandma that I would call Stina or Stina, you know, with the umlaut, like Roshi, yeah. right, with the umlaut. And um, and uh, and I think I asked the question because I had to write it in reverse, right? I, I had to write it so it would then make sense. So when I wrote it, I said something to the effect of. Uh, you know, and then and then like Grandma Shtina, and uh, she asked, "Who wants a rosti?" And then you saw this picture. And then I, th- you know, Eric panned, and everybody's got their hand up, and I said. Well, I, I, I guess you can take it from there or something like that. And then we get in the car and we go to Fred Meyer and I'm, you know, my wine guy's there. And, yeah. Oh my God. I love God. the wine guy.
1: Well, I, I, till this day, until now, I thought that was your grandma with, no. you know, 17 kids. It was just, it was, it was incredible.
0: Good Catholic family. Yeah,
1: exactly. She just, it just perfectly fit the narrative. Uh, three more questions and then we go. What is the one habit? that got you here today?
0: The love of food and sharing it, uh, putting smiles on people's faces. My number one passion in life throughout my whole life, regardless of what I did and lost and made it and whatever was making a meal and putting a smile on somebody else's face. I have always that literally, I just got goosebumps. There's nothing Next to you know being with my wife and and uh, and my kids and everything else, but you ask me that question is putting a smile on somebody's face, creating something um, that I so love, and 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 making a dish that's purely true love, and uh, and then creating something that's ever been done before, which I do now um, with the rosti.
1: Ask my wife. You and I are brothers from another mother, guaranteed. <laughs> okay. All right. So in in the video. You said the following, I'm no Vanderbilt, but this train is going places. And I agree, you know, the love, the dedication that you put into each rusty, and, you know, your business is infectious. I really believe that you have a shot at the top of the CPG pyramid, you know, so keep on going, my friend, keep on going. Thank you. I'm here to support you. Everyone is here to support you because you know what, at the end, you're a good guy you get up in the morning, get kicked in the nuts. You get up and again, and you make your Rasti, and you're making people smile. So the last question that I have for you, yep. I'd like to close out my interviews with the following question. Mm-hmm. Who did you have to stop being, and who did you need to become to manifest your current success?
0: I had to stop being, uh, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to preface it, the dreamer meaning That I was doing because I believed I could do three or four things at a time, okay, to support my family. And I could do this. And then um, somebody needed my help here and I was gonna help them and and then I want to help them. And then it started to cross over into the food, uh, the food where we were getting we were getting samples almost every week because somebody at a show said, Hey, would you taste this? And I and I would say, Well, yeah, it sounds great. And I think I can put you in touch with somebody. Well, you say that 10 times. And you're telling that to people who there's only one of them, right? But I'm saying this to 10 people and because I genuinely want to help them. And Lori, Lori came to me and said, you know, our, this is going to affect our business. If you keep trying to help everybody else. Okay. I, at some point and at the top of the apex, the apogee, like my band was called back when I was 11, whatever that pyramid of the CPG, we do have an exit strategy and we do want to use that time, and we will. Um, and my whole goal is to help other people in this space and not give them a hand out, but give them a hand up and, and use the what you and I have already been through, the pitfalls and the mistakes and the learning that um, maybe could maybe could put them on a map on some level. But that's where we're going. So that's, that's what I'm not doing today. I thank them. They come up to me all the time. I get calls. I get emails. And I just say, you know what? Um, I just I, I, w- I wish you well. Here's a couple of pointers, and you know, be, you know think innovation and think best and just just work hard and put love into it, and you can't go wrong with that. But that's where you know that's where I've stopped. So I've taken all these you know all these different channels. And I've, and I've rechanneled and it was all Lori. She is, she is, I'm the visionary. She is the voice of reason that says we are onto something. So let's just bring it in. There's a lot of fun people that you can meet still that we can have a lot of fun with, but let's do us. Right. Um, I calculated this a year ago. Um, and in one of the books by Andy Andrews, I found out that I'm a noticer and I'm a connector. Okay. Cause there's this test that you do. Right. So I'm not just saying that I noticed you. I connected you, okay, with Samantha. That's just an example. I love to do that. I just, I see stuff that I think I honestly believe other people don't see. And it just comes to me. And I'll literally stop in the middle of a conversation. And I go, those two should be together. Or I see something at a show and I go, why isn't anybody seeing this? And Lori's mm-hmm. like, uh oh, whoop, 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 rain it in, rain it in. But anyway, I calculated this a, a year ago this Christmas. That I've in the kitchen making handmade rosties, twenty one thousand over twenty-one thousand hours. That I have made physically made rosties since twenty fifteen, uh, end of twenty fourteen. Uh, and so, you know, uh, what do they say? I mean, ten thousand hours, 10, right?
1: Oh, you killed that. Yeah. yeah
0: well, it, it, well, <laughs> but the thing about it is, is, is that it's it's not me. It's everybody. Yeah, everybody can do what they want to do if they put their mind to it and and, and commit and understand that it's not going to be it's not going to be easy. Nothing is easy. We're in a we're in a fundraise today to be able to support tomorrow. Okay. I mean, there's just things that, you know, it just is what it is. But, you know, as as stressful as that is, like, we got to be able to pay our bills. We got to be able to do this. We got to be, you and I have conversations like this all the time, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, intimate conversations. But that's just the reality of it. But you know what I say? We'll get it.
1: Yeah. We'll get it. Listen, wise words, incredible, incredible journey that you have. So many lessons, so many opportunities to become better. Every single day, you and I share that, but a lot of people that are listening share that as well. You're a hope they and do. inspiration to many, and I wish only for your for the best uh, for you, your family, your wonderful family, and of Thank course you. the rusty. Thank can, you. If you don't make it, there won't be a Rosty, and that's not a good thing. And so, now it's
0: rusty stuff, Spuds. So I, I love stuff yeah, the rebranding.
1: Yeah, the rebranding, which is great. So tell the Seven Hatters what. You're doing, you know, you're fundraising. Where can they get in touch with you? Uh, are you doing a raise with, you know, a crowdsourcing raise? Are you doing a VC raise? How could they help? You know, just want to get people in touch with you.
0: What we did since, the, since we uh, acquired a company back, which is no big mystery, it was announced uh, in a PR press release last May. Uh, we, opened up, uh, we opened up June 1 under Rosty Stuff Spuds. Uh, we rebranded it because we took it more mainstream. Everybody mm-hmm. loves potatoes and cheese. And educating people what a Swiss Rosti is, uh, it takes an hour, a minute and 26 seconds in the yeah. best case. Now yeah. it's, we reshot in the, in the in the studio. Now the Rosti stuff spuds, you see exactly what they are, right? Five by five, five feet, five seconds, you know what they are. Yep. Um, and so, uh, so we've done that. Uh, I created a uh, food service, uh, grab-and-go, so a smaller one, 40-gram, 1.41 ounce, uh, filled with cheese. Now we have in food service, we have a ham and cheese or a ham and Swiss, ham and Swiss and jalapeno. Um, and so we did a successful LTO, an eight-week uh, uh, limited-time offer at a uh, at a large division of a, lo- one of the largest convenience stores in the country. We exceeded our uh, uh, forecast by over 400%, which proved out... That grab and go for stuffed hash browns in the morning with cheese in it uh, is a hit. Everything I always knew or felt I knew. uh, And then I brought Tom Garvey on, who was president of ADW for 12 years, which is the which is the line of Costco's. So you see you see it first. Uh, This is what's going on shelf in the Texas region in February.
1: When are you getting into Costco in, in Arizona?
0: that will be that will be I'm not sure to be honest with you uh Tom would Tom is working with our broker uh, gobo which is an amazing amazing team and this they share the corporate uh, parking lot with the corporate Costco and they're they're one of their top exclusive uh, 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 brokers and they're amazing um, but uh, Canada wants us you know we've already passed all the cheese you know tariffs yeah. and and stuff um, and so just safe to say that we'll start in Texas and it won't be soon after meaning over the course of the next year that we will we'll be will be in more regions. Regions. Tom, um, get,
1: get it in tom get it in arizona please do me a favor
0: <laughs> well right? and with all of this with the forecasting everything else that we're doing this first part of the year it just takes money so we're we're currently um you know we, we've had a couple of uh vcs who've been with us since incubator village four years ago two of them are both based in the bay area amazing people they see us at the show every single time when you're ready we want to do your series when you're ready we want to do your series I met with uh, one of them at in, in in Expo East and said, "I think you're going to be ready in about a year." But we're doing we're right now. We're looking for between uh, right at that uh, one to one point five million uh, to fund inventory uh, as well as uh, as our social media platform. And it isn't announced yet, but it will be. But we just partnered with the largest, uh, most successful uh, media company in the country, uh, and our social and everything else will be blowing up. And of course, everybody says. Oh my God! We don't have the money. Guess what? We can't afford not to put these pieces in place. Promo Mesh, crisp. This company—you'll see a big PR launch uh, release. They've literally taken incubated products to billion-dollar exits. We are on the same trajectory. We are now in a fundraise. It's not a. Uh, it's. It, I, I'm not going to say it's not crowdsourcing and it's not VC. It is, we're looking for minimums of 250 um, and we're looking at either a, uh, a, you know, a a safe or a convertible, Um, but it's, you know, everything's negotiable. We are just on that road uh, prepping for our series. We're currently at a valuation of 10 million and we're looking to uh, be this time next year in the neighborhood of 25 to 30, uh, if not more. Uh, And it just takes money to get there and that's what we're going to use it for. And that's the, that's the exciting part about it.
1: Yeah, well, I don't really ask the seven hatters much, but I will ask a couple of things. Number one, go out to your local retailer and buy some Swiss Rasti, number one. uh, If they don't carry it, ask for it, right? Because that goes a long way. Thank you, it does. Uh, Steven is a emerging brand, everything's online, and every single person that buys even one package helps out more than you know. Thank you. The Absolutely other thing is, if you know anyone or you have some money stashed away, you're not going to get the same interest rates that you will with this guy, you know, going through. So either, you know, if there's anyone that that can invest or, you know, or maybe you guys, uh, one of you can invest, uh, get in touch with Stephen. Stephen. I love you, brother. You're awesome.
0: I love You're you incredible. too, you both.
1: Thank you. And uh, we 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 have a we, we're on a rocket ship, both of us. And I, we're, I know, we're going, I know. I'm we, so excited for you. We're we're not Vanderbilt, <laughs> but we're going places.
0: But we're going places.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for gracing us on the Seven Hats, Stephen.
0: Thank you for the invite. i have been so excited. Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stephen. Let's end today with a show segment that I refer to as what can we hang our hat on and here's my takeaway. Stephen is my brother from another mother. We both had very similar journeys as first-time founders. My first business failed, as did his. Just like Philippe Petit, entrepreneurs climb the high wire with no safety net beneath us. And when our worst fears come true and everything collapses, we face a long downward fall towards the concrete beneath us. When the universe pulled the rug under us, Stephen and I were forced to get a job to support our families. That was not our intention when we started our business, to say the least. And for me, the prospect of returning to the corporate world was a huge blow to my ego and soul. I started driving a limo for $10 an hour. Stephen started charging scooters for $15 a scooter. Now that might not seem like it's much, but to us, it was a statement to the universe that we were going to do whatever it took to take the blow, learn the lessons and start again. And we did. Steven risked it all and launched an incredibly successful frozen food brand. And I started a software company called Promash, where I'm now helping Steven not go through the pain that I went through as a brand founder. There is so much to say about entrepreneurs and the grit we all have in order to keep on pushing no matter the obstacles. When a door closes, We don't just find a way around the door. We bust that shit open no matter the wounds we endure. And by the way, when Philippe Petit was asked by reporters why he crossed the Twin Towers in New York back in 1974 via a steel rope only a couple of inches thick, he looked at them bewildered and said, because I'm a wirewalker." That's right. And why do we take the hits day in and day out, building our businesses? Well, because we're entrepreneurs. I want to thank Stephen once again for joining me so that we can all benefit from his wisdom. And until next time, if you found this episode helpful, please hit that subscribe button and tell other entrepreneurs out there what value you receive from it so that we can attract even more high quality people into our 7 Hats community. So for now, I will bid you farewell and success on your journey. And until next time, my name is Yuval Selek, and I tip my hat to you.